Welcome everyone to Fergan Freak. My name is the Glorious League Freak, and I am joined by a very special guest. He's been on the podcast before, but we had to scrub all uh, traces of that podcast off the internet to save everything we've ever owned in our lives. It's Carsten Brummer. How's it going, Carsten? Hi, hi, I'm well, and you? I'm very good. Now, I think that after a wonderful English performance like we have just witnessed, it's only fair that I bring on a German, hey? <laughs> I had to. As, um, I, as, I, as I live in Switzerland, I try to be neutral. Yes. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, now, we have just watched England rack up a 60-6 to win over Samoa. In a, in a game that I, I thought that it was going to be like a 40-point Samoan win, uh, just looking at the talent on the field, but the Samoan performance is hard to put into words how bad they were, wasn't it? Uh, I didn't expect such a result. I expected a more close game, like uh, six for Samoa, like something like this, winning mm. marching. But uh, some, uh, England outclassed Samoa everywhere on the field. Yeah. Yeah, there was uh, – they just absolutely destroyed them. They scored more than a point a minute in that second half. Um, yeah, and, but but that was through the three injuries. Yeah, true, true. It, and it was uh, – man, I, I just – I still can't believe it. I think that um, it showed a lot about how important a team preparation is and the team camp is and, the, and coaching is especially because we've seen this from Samoa going back for about three World Cups now under Parrish. Yeah, at least they, they got a feeding right this time. Milford mm. took, didn't look fat. <laughs> Did you see him sitting there on TV with his watch? It's. <laughs> I, I had many tweets about his gold Rolex. Somebody tweeted, uh, tweeted back, uh, it's his watch. And I doesn't matter, both from Switzerland. <laughs> it, it was crazy. It's like it's halfway through October in England, and the guy's making sure he's wearing a sleeveless t-shirt, show off his watch. On, on one shot, he he looked like falling asleep. He did, yeah. That's what that was the weird thing. He looked like he was recovering from a heavy night of drinking or something. It was really strange. Um, and yeah, that like that's uh, the Samoan team. It was really weird. You could see immediately that defensively they had zero plans. In attack, they had zero plans. You could see at some points some of the players in their team trying to make some things happen. But because they had no plan going into the game, it was just impossible. Like their their line, some of them were coming up in the line, some of them were holding back, some of them were sliding. And in attack, they just were playing off the cuff. Um, I think it, the best that they looked was when Luai tried to take over a little bit in the first half, but because that they were playing so terribly, like that went away really quickly, and England just did exactly what they had to do, and you've got to give them credit because they put it on Samara. It was a, an amazing performance by England. Uh, to put it in perspective, I was at the Netherlands-Germany game last week, and both teams there had better defensive lines and the Simone defense uh, today in the first half. Yeah, 100%. It, it, it was shocking to see that, like, uh, you would think with all of that talent on the field that they would 
they would have been prepared and they just weren't. They they looked absolutely disgraceful. I feel very sorry for Samoan supporters because to be ready for probably a, a win. I mean, I don't know I don't know that I saw anybody tip in England to win that no. was that wasn't in the inner circle of England and to see a flogging like that, I mean it's blown me away. It's probably the most crazy thing I've seen in a international game um ever. Yeah, and just to look at the sides, do you count uh, Herbie Farnsworth to be one of the 10 best centers in the NRL? No. No, no. Do you count uh, Crichton to be one of the top three NRL centers? Yes. <laughs> uh, same with the wingers. Do you count Dom Young as one of the 10 best wingers in the, in the NRL? No. Nope. No. Do you count uh, Joe as one of the best three? Yes. Yeah. So even the... But that side, on the other side, you had the Hammer as ringer. Yeah, it, against, like against Makinson. I'm sorry. It, it's not even. It's not even close. Like no. I said before, I said before the game, if you put these teams together and you did a draft, I I can't pick an Englishman in the top ten. I'd like, I and you I think that. Well, you know what. A lot of people were telling me what did I think of Walsby, and unfortunately, because our our coverage was cutting in and out, and yeah. so there was a lot of moments where people were saying, "Did you see that from Walsby?" And I'm watching a screen that says, "We're sorry for the inconvenience." <laughs> <laughs> I still can't talk about Walsby. <laughs> uh, no, Walsby is he is a natural talented player. Mm-hmm. What a dickhead. That doesn't sound like an Englishman at all. <laughs> Imagine um, Sam Tompkins mixed with... Hmm. Bigger dickhead. <laughs> so so he's less of a dickhead. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. No, but a natural talent is outstanding. And he's 21. Wow. He's a solid dude as well, which I yeah. like. It's sometimes Defensive, fine. Yeah, yeah. It, I think, I like... uh, he will play in the NRL within three years. You reckon? Wow. It's uh, yeah. He looked like a solid dude, which I I think is important for a young English player because I think that um, I think that it was one of the things that hurt Tompkins at his stage of development that he didn't get that physical development that he probably should have from being a late teenager through to his early 20s. And you can see, I mean, he's still a very small player as a professional player, but when he comes to the NRL especially, you could see it was like a a teenager running out there against the NRL players, and you were worried for him sometimes, you know? Yeah, Um, Tompkins is today in a better physical spot than he was when he was playing for the Warriors. mm, Yeah. And, And... Still a slight dude. Like. Yeah. Uh, but you can look at other guys in the NRL which are not that big anymore. They mm. changed, I think. And then with Veltby, you have the off-the-cuff player which you need uh, now with the new PVL ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, and the th- like, I've always liked Tompkins. As you say, is that he he has those natural instincts. Like, he's a natural footy player. Um and I always felt like he was he would be a better five eighth, but unfortunately the size of him it was just you couldn't do that. Um, 
But I'm seeing Wells plays a fullback in the now. Oh really? That's yeah. He plays. He's play. He plays both for St. Helens. Okay, because he would have he would have to work on his positioning as a fullback, which every fullback has to. But you find that a lot of uh, English players get caught out. As a as a fullback, just because they yeah. don't see the variety of kicks in, in the NRL, but it'd be cool to see him come over. That'd be. I wonder where he'd end up. You know, he'd be good for a play a team like um the Dolphins or someone like that that's trying to develop a squad longer term. Hey, yeah, especially with the injury to the Emma right now. If he really yeah. has a problem back. Yeah, yeah. Now, oh, what did you think about? There's so much to talk about from this game. It's crazy. There was. Uh, Waisu Ali played fullback and the hammer was on the wing when the playing experience was clearly on the hammer side. Yeah, 100%. And look, I I can see where it was tempting to do. I I guess they probably went into the game thinking to themselves, look, we're going to probably beat England. So let's let's throw Suwali at the back and he's going to run right and stuff. But there was a few times where he was caught out there and he made a couple of bad mistakes. I think the thing that killed his game too is that he didn't get any support running from fullback so every time he got the ball running from fullback he was faced with a line of Englishmen and he had no options to pass the ball so it's pretty easy to control at that point yeah from a German side of experience I can say going into something like this with too much optimism is not always good (laughs) can turn bad huh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, especially against the line of Englishmen. <laughs> oh, man. We can't go down this road, Carson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Oh, that was too much bait in one sentence. <laughs> now, one of the things that was interesting is the rugby football, well, not the rugby football league, the International Rugby League was talking about the uh, pre-game entertainment. And unfortunately, I think the power went out for all the pre-game entertainment. So we saw the 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 lead singer of the Kaiser Chiefs running up and down the sideline trying to pump the crowd up. And then they had to basically pack everything away without doing a set from what I saw. Um, As they played one song before the national anthems. Oh, did they see? We didn't see that on our coverage. We only saw the aftermath, eh? Um, so that that was unfortunate, but you know it happens. Um, <laughs> we also and I saw, and I, we, I saw Liz Truss is the only thing who can uh, fuck things up over here, big. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's like, geez, England's not having a good time of it at the moment. Uh. Um, and then we saw at one point during the match they had an issue where they, they threw the ball to the Samoan team to kick off and the Samoans threw it back for some reason. There was maybe not enough air in the ball or something. And then later in the match, Tyrone may look like he maybe absolutely blew out his knee and had a really bad hip injury. And they took him off on a stretcher, which was kind of shocking to see. It, it seems like they need to look at their... Procedures when a player is injured because that seems yeah, like something out yeah, of the eight. Uh, I know that from the NRL, from Penrith actually. Hmm. Remember, Penrith had a for a t- they need to enlarge their entrance to the field for the medicap mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they couldn't get the medicap on the field and had to carry uh, players with a stretcher off the field yeah. for a time. And I think that's the same problem with Newcastle. 
Yeah, and and like you can understand that the soccer venues are not set up for all that sort of stuff because the soccer players are not as big as these rugby league players. And yeah, but they introduced the medicab. Yeah, did, oh, did they have the medicab in soccer? Yeah, first on the World Cup in the US '94. Okay. And uh, I, I, it's not uh, obligatory. Mm-hmm. In soccer, but I think in menu and so on, they have medicaps. I think Newcastle just has a too small entrance, or the power was out and that thing is electric. It it was it was shock. <laughs> it was re- look. It was shocking to see. It was absolutely shocking to see because he was in so much pain, and I just felt like it, it wasn't good enough for what these professional players or amateur players would deserve it as well. Um, it, it was just a really bad bad situation. Uh, for me, that's not something you can blame the organisers for because that's a stadium issue. Yeah, but but then again, like, and how do you weigh it up? How do you weigh up the selection of venues against what facilities they have available? Like, it's a tough one, right? I mean, it's quite easy. Uh, it was a money decision. The, the council had to pay for being in... Or some councils had to pay for being in venue. Yeah. And you go to iconic venues, that's what they say. And Newcastle definitely is one, especially yep. in, in English rugby league with the Magic Weekend and so on. So uh, that's understandable. Yeah. It, so it's like the final will always be no Trafford. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, the facilities there, are, the, the, the pitch should be bigger, you know? It's. <laughs> you saw what I wrote about the pitch, uh, about the ingles. I will not repeat this. Oh, it, it, they're shocking. It's they must be using the absolute minimum standard for international football. It must be like five meters at best. It's a soccer ground, not a rugby league ground. It's yeah. like you, there, it's, the field fits in there for international standard. And then you have something left over that you call an infield, an uh, in-goal. Yeah. And like, it's like two meters. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to have your foot on the dead ball line and be able to touch the metal fence. Except you on the uh, birches. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, what... what uh, these are, situa- these are uh, issues we've been talking about for so long in international footy. Um, now... I feel as though Samoa, I feel as though Samoa is going to lose to France. No, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? Do you think that they'll, do you think that they'll pull it together after such an embarrassing performance or do you think that it's just going to be the talent won't let it happen? If I look at the caliber of gay, uh, of players and their experience, especially with the Penrith guys, I think the coach will has will not have much to say in the training next week. Yeah, I wouldn't I was I wouldn't be shocked by that. I think that, that one of the interesting things was when they come out at half time, the Samoans team started playing in attack at least with a, a level of um cohesion. They looked like they were doing a little bit of something. They looked like they had a structured attack. But because their defence was so mm. bad, they England team was just walking through them and, and they basically didn't get any ball. Um, and and it just got worse and worse from that point on. And like, 
Anthony Milford was detrimental. He was so bad in this game. His kicking game was terrible. His passing game was terrible. But at least his defense was worse. And then I thought Danny Levi out of dummy half was not that good. And I, I thought that a lot of the Samoan forwards looked like they had spent their time since the NRL season had been over just chilling out and relaxing. They looked at, they looked really short of a run. Yeah, but that's always the problem, problem with Samoa. Mm -hmm. Look at the last World Cup. Most Samoan players were overweighted mm -hmm. at the start of the tournament. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think in the at halftime, the players took over. Yeah. You can't fix an offense at halftime. You can't fix the defense at halftime. No. But you can't do with the offense. And I think without the injuries, it would have been a closer game. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just look at that game and I... Like, I'm so impressed by England. They did everything you could have asked for them, you know? Um... I think early on you could see there was a little bit of worry in the England team because they were facing so many players that have so much experience and talent and stuff like that. But they they didn't get overawed by it. Um, they hung in there and then they, I mean, to flog them the way they did is just extraordinary. And I, I, I do hope, I hope you're right. I hope that the likes of Luai and, even Papa Lee and all of those experienced players sort of pull the, the squad together and say, look, we need to do this ourselves because this camp has been bad, the, all of the standards have been really poor, and we're going to be further embarrassed. Because that, that's one of the worst performances I've seen international level ever, a, a, absolutely ever. And I, I would say that's probably the most shocking performance. Like, that shocks me way more than when Australia lost the World Cup final. Way, way more. It was really bad. Mm. But it's like, look at the last World Cup. Mm -hmm. Was it Samoa versus Tonga? Samoa, Fiji? Um, maybe Fiji, I think it was, hey? When they lost really badly. Mm. And you would have thought, after such a performance, the coach would have been gone. Then came the whole story about the Johns and uh, uh, SBW, mm -hmm. and nothing changed. Yeah. They had Lee Redford as a co uh, assistant coach and somebody, the BBC commentators, uh, told us was, um, what's the name of former manly coach? Tuves. Tuvi. <laughs> Is that what they said? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> 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 oh, I was just sitting in, in front of Tuvi, nope. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's shocking. And apparently, for, for people that don't know, like, and we, you don't want to get into it too much, but Parrish is, is well-liked um, within the Samoan Rugby League and everybody that's influential within the Samoan Rugby League. And there's some very, very influential Samoan 
officials behind that. And that's why he doesn't lose his job, no matter how bad they are. It's probably also where he got the gold Rolex, to be fair. Um, but it's, it's, it's shocking. And it, it's, it's coming out on the field and it's been coming out on the field for over a decade. And there's been so many people pleading for Samoa to go in a different direction than they haven't. And this is the result of that, unfortunately, where that was the most embarrassing international performance I've ever seen um, by a team that should have won, I I think comfortably. And you feel as though they should have won by a, a slim margin, but I think most people thought they should have won and they got they got unmercifully flogged and deserved it too. Yeah, I was looking forward to see them in London in the semi-final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, not with performance like that. And I think they have the same pro- problem Tonga had after the last World Cup. Probably with the same solution. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it's just... It's so disappointing because to look at all of the teams and how they were lined up, and you you would ha- you had to have Samoa in there with all that talent, and now you kind of just have to write them off unless they really, as you say, unless they they take over the players, take over and really decide to pull pull their finger out. If they don't do that, it's their World Cup's already over, and they might as well go home because. Um, that was a disgrace. I feel so sorry for Samoan supporters, man. That's terrible. Yeah, uh, it, it was so bad. I'm missing words. It was really bad. Mm. Yeah, really, really bad. I just I, hope Fiji will not be the same today evening. Yeah, the, well, the thing that worries me about Fiji is you you look at their lineup, and it's not even just the NRL players like Fiji. Uh, produces good players anyway. And the only reason that I think Australia will win really comfortably against them is that whenever Australia plays Fiji, it kind of just always goes that way for whatever reason, no matter how good the Fijian team is. Like I think back uh, to the two, I think it was 2008 World Cup where the Fijian team had been playing really well and they played in the semi final against Australia and Australia did it kind of too easily against them. And yeah. so I think. That's the only reason I'm going for a big Australian win is just going on the history of it, you know. Yeah, but I saw the saw some parts of the warm up game game against England, which they lost sixty zero or something like this. Yeah, I think what was I think it was forty something to zero from memory. Oh, forty something to zero. Yeah. It was blowout. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, four. Imagine running. Uh, Squiddy Tedesco against them. Yeah, yeah, and and the I the only thing that I I looked at their lineup and I was like they've left out almost all of their top players, and that's the only thing I'm hoping that those top players come in and and they kind of turn that around because I was like you, I was very. I was shocked by that performance as well. But then you got to wonder, like, are we underestimating the England team? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm just looking up if they already, already uh, showed their lineup. Yeah, let me uh, grab that lineup out. And I hopefully. Do you have the broadcast preparation? Yeah, I know. 
podcast preparation is. Let's press record. Um, <laughs> look, Sevo's in there. They had a they had one player leave there. Uh, oh, it was Ravalawa has pulled out of the Fijian squad. He had a a leg injury that he couldn't overcome for the World Cup, so he pulled out of the yeah. squad. But um, you know that just going through. Wakem's in there. Um, Sevo's in there, which is good. Apicorosau at hooker, Kamakamitha at prop, Filiami Kikau's going to line up, which is good. Um, yeah, but Kikau is like, he can win you a game and he can lose you a game. You should know that. Yeah, yeah. It, you, he's not an automatic, he's going to kick ass in this game. And the other thing is too, he's the sort of player that needs to be used properly by his halves, and if your halves aren't using him properly, it's just going to negate his attacking game completely because he's not the sort of player that goes looking for the ball when it's not coming to him. That's a big problem. And uh, what I see, and uh, who's in the halves there? So it's Wakem is the the five eighth, and uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm going to try my best. You better not laugh at this, you fucker. It's Siti <laughs> Mosadrake. <laughs> I will not pronounce uh, Pacific Island names because I butter the English word, so forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah. Although it would be funny to hear you trying to pronounce some of the Fijian names, like with your <laughs> accent. Uh, <laughs> and fullback is uh, your junior, the Banff junior. Um, Sunai Turabai. I don't know. Oh yeah, he is actually. He's that dude that played um for the Panthers. Uh, I think he played one or two games for them later he in the season. Versus the Cowboys. He's gone to the Cowboys, has he? No, he played uh, against the Cowboys in the last preseason game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he. He's uh he was really well liked amongst the Panthers players and uh, I think he might have scored a try and they went off when he scored so it's it's cool that uh, he's playing fullback for them so there's some quality there and yeah. like said, they they produce good footy players the Fijian t- like nation like e- even players you haven't heard of they're normally big athletic they've got good footwork and they can put it on a team if they don't turn up the problem yeah, is. How many they games? Think, Sorry, go on. I think they will need ten years till they get the uh, spine players out of their uh, what it's now Net News or Reds Cup. Uh, also, uh, the Silk Tiles, the Silk Tiles team for Fiji. Yeah, yeah, they need that development time. Yeah, um, that you, have them, you have to them now with PNG and. Now PNG has has the players from their uh, Q Cup team, mm-hmm. and and that that just having that extra depth in talent that has experienced even a semi professional level of football, it's it's massive. It's absolutely huge. Like you look at in the past um, with the PNG team, you knew that they had the professional players in there, but you also knew they had their amateur players in there. Yeah. And they, it made their team, um, their, their performances were up and down a lot, whereas now you can expect solid footy out of them because of that Queensland Cup side that they've got. 
exactly it. Uh, last weekend I watched Germany Netherlands, uh, Netherlands Germany, mm-hmm. and Netherlands played a complete domestic side mm-hmm. versus Germany with six heritage players, mm-hmm. and it was a close game because the ne- Dutch guys are used to playing their domestic team every year, mm-hmm. and they have a constancy there. And Germany, uh, outstanding first half and ordinary, very ordinary second half mm-hmm. because some of our domestic guys put a bit back. Mm-hmm. So that's what you get with uh, professionals or semi-professionals who come into an amateur side. Yeah. The it's amateur a- think it's all easy. Yeah. Now, for, for people that don't know, like Carson, Carson is uh, like... The, one of the most hardcore rugby league players, uh, rugby league supporters, like on planet Earth. Uh, it's way too nice. It's in, uh, the term rugby league nerd, or that's that's a lovely term. Uh, the other was I don't know the English word, uh, something handicapped. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Oh man, uh, I don't know what it could even be. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. Yeah. For people who don't know me. I'm watching like between ten and fifteen games per weekend. Yeah, maybe one of the reasons my girlfriend split from me. <laughs> and the other thing is too, like you, you <laughs> everywhere to watch games, and you watch like games between nations that. A lot of people don't even know play rugby league. Like I'm sure there are people that are listening now that are like Germany has a rugby league team. Like that's it's it's so cool. So what do you think of the games that you have seen at that level at the the Netherlands and Germany? Those teams that we normally don't hear about that are they're not really in calculations to get a World Cup spot, but they're playing a lot of regular football now, which is cool to see. Yeah. There's a lot of regular regular football that changed with uh, COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Germany we... was hit really hard by the uh, regulations, mm-hmm. which pretty much killed the competition. Oh, man. And they are just starting rebuilding. Mm-hmm. The Dutch are strongly growing. They have a regular competition with five teams. Mm-hmm. Serbia is a big growing nation in Europe with not just one regular team comp, uh, men's comp, they have under 19s, under 16s comp. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where the real growth is when you get your juniors through and they're playing rugby league for five to six years and then come into the men's side. And and that's really the the marker, isn't it? When you it goes from being just the open teams to okay, now we're, we've got uh, real cl- we've got not real clubs, but we've got clubs that aren't just the open side. We've got juniors and things like that, because as you say, that development then turns into a self sustaining system, and and that's the goal. That that is the goal, and that's is where the development has to come from. I have to say, Germany, we are 20 years behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I look at the Balkan region, they really have 
their own strategy. They play in a so-called Balkan Super League every year mm-hmm. with teams from Greece, Turkey, Albania and Serbia to raise their standard above their national comps. That is very good. Mm-hmm. And then you have Italy. Italy, a lot of the players chain, play to different to, till in a specific level in Italy. Mm-hmm. And then they have the chance to play in France, in the lower leagues in France, mm-hmm. which raises their standard at home again when, if they come back. So, and you see that at um, this year's World Cup squad from Italy, mm-hmm. they have about eight or nine domestic players, domestic trade players in there. Yeah, which is like, I, th- I think the last World Cup, it was, I think maybe they had one or two. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, so that it's, it's cool that they're going in the right direction at the very least. Um, yeah, and then, it, then you have problem countries like, or areas like Africa, which is, if you look at the grounds where they're playing, Jesus Christ. Wow, they're playing on like dirt in some cases. It has, is that, there are patches on of grass on it. Yeah. Or like so two square meters or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me a little bit of when you would see the Russian rugby league from like, you know, 20 years ago and they'd be playing in like a foot of snow and you're like, man, these people really want to play rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, the snow is much more softer Oh yeah. 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 Have you heard anything about Russian rugby league? Because it was weird. It it seemed to be going in the right direction. And then there was so much um, political stuff just with the clubs and they were switching. They were saying they were going to go to rugby union and then they were coming back and stuff like that. And then I haven't heard anything out of Russia for like probably a few years now. Uh, for people who don't know, I grew up in East Germany. I had seven years of Russian at school. Mm-hmm. I had a look at the Russian website, which is mm-hmm. completely Russian, at least interesting parts. And, well, I think there were more problems with organized crimes than with political influence. No, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, it just, like the the last time, I th- I think the last that I heard from Russian rugby league, there was one club that was very very strong that was using their strength uh, to, I don't know, get whatever they wanted, I, and I don't even know what it was because it's it like there's, you know, I don't speak Russian, so I I just was hearing from other people and. I, I haven't heard from it for years and years, and it was weird because it seemed at one point that they were going in a, an all right direction, and then they just disappeared. It was kind of strange. Like Moroccan Rugby League, like at like 25 years ago, it was like, oh, yeah, they've got a national competition in Morocco, and it's like, do they? Because I've never heard anything out of it. I see good signs out of Ghana and Nigeria. Yep. They even flew in their heritage players for the MIA, mm-hmm. Middle East African Championship. But uh, the heritage players were shocked when they saw the training sites and the ground where they had to play the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's the bigger problem, but that's what you get in these areas of the world. Yeah, yeah. 
It's also one of the problems that I guess you get with rugby league in these developing nations that like just finding a ground to play on at all is difficult. Ah, not so much anymore. That changed. Oh, really? You guys are really under pressure there. Mm-hmm. They can't. Uh, I know Ghana Rugby Union is uh, in front of the courts mm-hmm. because of some statements their chairman made. Oh, wow. And, but they're, they're missing everything. I mean, you can sponsor a player, including new shoes for them for 120 uh, Swiss francs. That's like 150, uh, no, $180. Really? Far out. That's interesting. That's really so, cool. Money is missing there. Everything, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Doesn't just go. Players can't afford shoes. Players, uh, the uh, federations can't afford balls. That's interesting. Yeah, because there's there's been, and it's happened in a few different countries where the rugby union has stepped in and said, "Well, this is." this is not a sanctioned rugby event and so it's illegal and then you've had authorities that have have been confused by it and I understand them being confused by it because they're both called rugby league and rugby union like you know who fucking knows what the fuck that's all about and then so they've backed the bigger rugby competition which has normally been the rugby union but now that's starting to change yeah because uh, rugby league became associated by the General Sports Concord or the how, the, how this World Sports Recognition Organization is called. Mm-hmm. They are not a sport like uh, pole dance is, but they are already recognized. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they're the level below the Olympic sports from memory. No, one, one even one, uh, 100 rugby league. Pole dance is a recognized sport by this body. Uh-huh. And rugby league is an associated sport, yeah. but at least you can go to the organization and ask if the sport exists and if rugby union is the same organization. Yeah, and I know it's different. And they can say no, that's a different sport, and you have to follow this regulation. But then you still have these uh, what it's called World Rugby League. What these Greek guys built there with some Dutchy. Connections to the government, mm-hmm. uh, which still have have the control over Pakistan and Argentina, I think, mm-hmm. and competition in Italy. Yeah, because we we have we don't hear about that stuff in Australia. It's really weird. Uh, you have to be a nerd to find out. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I I used to hear some of the the stuff like that. I guess it was probably when I would go on forums and stuff, you'd, you'd see some stuff about that, but I haven't been on forums for, like, so long. Um, as I'm collecting stuff for my personal archive, mm-hmm. I'm a lot on Google. Mm-hmm. Also, search engines exist. Um, and then you uh, stumble about uh, on sites like that, and you're just like, What? Pakistan rugby league never heard anything about it. They have yeah. seven teams, <laughs> and you and you find out it's not really rugby league. It's just what they're they're calling themselves. No, no, no. They play rugby league with normal rules. They do. It's an other governing body. Oh, okay. I see what you the mean. Gov- so the it's like a- body, what, what 
remember the Greek history, this modern pantalon stuff, what they had. Yeah. And this guy made his own international governing body. Wow. So there's a, a, a competing international governing body. Search for World Rugby League. That's crazy. What's his, What's the end goal of that? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> they must be getting something out of that World Rugby League. Okay, so yeah, it's just coming up for the World Cup for me. I'm going to have to look into this. Hey, this is extraordinary. World WorldRugbyLeague.org is that it? Uh, can be. Old and still new World Rugby League domestic England. Well, hang on a second, they're saying three thousand years of history. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the one. They go back. Uh, they trace their roots back to old Greece. This is fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, okay, so it, people need to do this, right? WorldRugbyLeague.org. <laughs> this is amazing. And it starts, you go to the website, 3,000 years old and still new. The official website of World Rugby League, the World Con- Confederation of Rugby League Associations and Rugby League organisations that are focusing on domestic development and making rugby league a global sport. That's a headline. That's not even... <laughs> <laughs> So that are the rabbit holes you go into on oh my weekday, weekday nights. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. This is oh, I need to bookmark this. I need. I want to get whoever's <laughs> running this. I want to get them on the podcast, eh? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> Why not? Let the guy who uh, declared uh, Chris Rugby League illegal in, in Chris. Oh fuck him then. <laughs> He can get fucked. He's not coming on. But then you saw, as I said, rabbit hole, you go in deeper and deeper, mm. and you saw Pakistan, and then you go watching Pakistan, and they're really playing games, and you go into the um, trees, uh clubs, which are not existing, which already learned, but the Italian clubs are existing. Yeah. And it's really a split competition there. Yeah, that, I find when I look at rugby league at that level internationally, it's there is sometimes smoke and mirrors as to what exists, and sometimes you run into grifters. Is the other thing. Uh, my most uh, loved sentence in rugby league in developing countries is Australian or English businessmen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, like. That's- Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I, there's, yeah, you'll, you'll find sometimes where it's like, and they say things like, we've got backers, and it's like, who? And it's like, well, they're backers, you know? They're backing us. That's all you need to know. Yeah, worse. We have strategies and visions. If you have visions, go to a doctor. <laughs> we've got a strategic plan. No, you should have a strategic plan, but they have visions. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny. That's hilarious. I always used to say with the South African rugby league stuff, because 
you would never hear about rugby league in South Africa and then the World Cup would be coming up and all of a sudden there was rugby league in South Africa. And I'd be like, oh, this, I don't know, this seems a little bit like a bunch of people in South Africa want a trip to the World Cup, you know what I mean? Ah, no, no, they have uh, student tours to England and so on. Oh, do they? Yeah. Oh, that's great. There is rugby league there, but it's on the same level. Like, it's not even on the same level like Ghana or Nigeria, and that's for one big reason. Because mm, of rugby union. It's so big there. Yeah. So they, it's a way for, let's say it, poor black athletes, athletes, mm-hmm. athletes mm-hmm. earning a living. Okay. Because, like, when I used to pay much more attention to this stuff, and I'm going back a little while, um, it, I, I used to hear about the rugby union authorities would basically stamp out any time they saw rugby league they would come in and crush it and so that it was very difficult to ever start anything rugby league related there but then the world cup as i said the world cup had run around and, and all of a sudden you'd have a, a south african rugby league team and it's like well where, but where are they coming from you know and that's this is back when like sean rutgerson was playing for the south african international team <laughs> um, and he, he's their biggest star, you know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 like I've I've lost touch with a lot of that that uh, level of the game, unfortunately. And I guess it's because I've got to keep up with so many other things. I can't keep up with everything, you know what I mean? I know people in England who say you lost touch with reality. Yeah, but they're just bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Look, after me going into this game between England and Samoa, saying, oh, England could get thrashed here, and then Samoa got thrashed, I can't even argue with them. <laughs> I'm just waiting for your Wales comment. For whose comment? Wales. Oh, well. <laughs> can you imagine if Wales come out and they kicked ass? It would be so bad for me. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Especially after that performance of the Penrith players with Samoa. Oh yeah, it was funny. There was there was one point there in that Samoan game where I I thought I was going to have to tweet out that I'm not actually Samoan, but people people were going to that point where they were going to go off at me, but then they sort of pulled back. Uh, the sentence: "There's more talent coming out of out of Penrith than out of Wales." <laughs> Yeah, good yeah, backfire. <laughs> Look, if the if the talent coming out of Penrith would just actually perform, it'd be fine. <laughs> 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 uh, but, but what's the difference? You know, you can uh, draw a straight line between the Samoan performance today and Penrith uh, in the two thousands. In what way? The head coach wasn't met. <laughs> and he couldn't coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, it's funny because uh, it, it, I think that this game really showed, like, it doesn't – you can have all the talent in the world in the side. If everything else is a problem, all of that talent doesn't matter. 
Like it, it was such a big lesson in that, which I think that's uh, like it, that's going to stay with me for a long time. That game, just because of that lesson. You should have learned that lesson in the whole NRL season. I know, I know. Look, I should have learned Cowboys. the lesson. I should Cowboys. have learned lesson. Everybody called them wooden spooners before the season because yep. they only had two new signings. Well, the coach showed. He can coach different. Yeah, yeah. Look, I picked them for the wooden spoon over the West Tigers, and I, I, I was confident in it. You know, uh, I picked them above the West Tigers. Yeah, uh, eighth, and the Tigers are always ninth. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't pick them for uh, semi. Yeah. Or Terry, uh, your finals names. Yeah. Uh, We call them everything. We call we basically call them everything's a semi, which sounds dodgy, but like you, at the first round of the finals, semis. You know, everything's the semi-finals until the the grand final, and I, I can see where it's confusing because we have about three or four different names for like the final series. Some people call them the playoffs. Um, no, I get final series, but usually you have quarterfinals, semifinals. Yeah. The one that gets me is that the semi-finals we call preliminary finals. Yeah, but that's because of first uh, the winner from the first week on the top four gets one week off, so you can't go on the traditional way of calling the finals. Mm. You have made some, have to make something up. Yeah, I, it should just be a straight knockout. I reckon it would make it so much easier. Yeah, but then you don't have advantage if you finish first and second uh, in the top four. Yeah, I man, it's it's just like I don't know. I feel like it's it gets so confused and it like I don't know. I I like the way the NFL does it. You just go straight through. You lose a game, you're out. You win a wait, game. Wait, 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 wait. They have their wild card finals and shut me dead. Hey. They have their wild card final and oh yeah, uh, shut me. The, uh, that's not easy too. Yeah, that well, I could see where you could have like, and and the problem is we don't have enough teams for it to work out. But it, say you had, say you had a, I don't know, because I I think the NFL they have like sixteen teams make their final series or something like that. And so they can have like the eight. You can have you, you've got that scope where you can have those wild card games. Yeah, the scope is quite easy. You go uh, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two. Yeah. So in the NRL you have eight, but then you need to advantage for the top four. Yeah. Uh, but next year everything is we have to buy back. So. Yeah. And then we're going up to nine twenty, uh, and then nothing works out anymore. We've so you're a you're a Cowboys fan, right? So, like, I'm looking looking towards next year in the NRL, and I was thinking about this during the grand final this year as I'm watching Penrith win. Um, I think that the Cowboys are probably the best bet to be the next best team that could probably go after Penrith. Like, I, I just loved what I saw out of them this year. Yes. But in my opinion, we're five years 
behind Penrith in terms of pathways. Mm -hmm. So we don't have this regular production line of juniors. Mm -hmm. We need still to design like in Brenton Elliott as a backup who plays for the Blackhawks or the Northern Bride. Mm -hmm. Just comes in into uh, for state of origin period. Yeah. So where Penrith already has this production line of juniors to just can bring in their own juniors. So that's why I think we need another five years. Yeah, I, I guess the I guess the other thing is too there's a there's a bit of a core with the Cowboys that are maybe a couple of years older than the current Panthers core. Um and and you would worry that once that production line starts kicking in for the Cowboys, or you hope it kicks in for the Cowboys, that that core will maybe be close to um, aging out. Do you, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But then you have, like, I think that's around two to three years. Hmm. But then you have uh, Dearden, uh, now we come to the Pacific names, the young guns from now, which are two or three years older, yep. have played two or three years finals in State of Origin mm -hmm. and have the experience like it was with Penrith three or four years ago. Yeah, on, yeah. On well, that was huge. When when Dearden got that call up for Queensland and been involved in that whole process, like that was massive for the Cowboys' future because he – he could have very easily been stuck in a bit of a development hole in terms of he needed something to give him that next kick on, which he didn't get at the Broncos. And he it was, was probably he was mentally brain at the Broncos. You reckon? They kicked him out. The mm. media wrote him down. The coaching staff gave him no con confidence, and that was his first half year. At the Cowboys last year. Mm. No confidence, nothing. And I, I think it was good for him to have Townsend, who I didn't know that. I thought it was going to be a bad signing, Townsend. And it, it just turned out to be exactly what they needed, just the experience. He sometimes did Townsend things where he'd do a weird kick or he'd just run his outside backs into the sideline. But... He was his experience was massive, and it was just, it was so good for Dearden. And then he got gets that call up into the Queensland team, and like I, I just it felt like it was the kickstart that he needed to get back into it as a young bloke. For me, Townsville was signed as an old school uh, halfback. Mm -hmm. Beat a little general guided humorous kick in the corner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, all the exciting stuff, you have a full break and then five eight. Yeah. I, I think the thing that got me was because I expected them to not be good at all. As I said, I picked them for the wooden spoon. It felt like he didn't fit uh, Townsend, I mean. It felt like he was a purchase that didn't fit any sort of development timeline. But because they were a good team, it was a, a fantastic buy, like maybe one of the best buys of the season. He, he fitted perfect. He, and he is now, he's the one uh, cool, uh, cooling the uh, team down like uh, like when they played Manly the last 
10 minutes when he was mic'd up and you could listen to his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just being the voice of reason out there, keeping everybody calm, and you hope that in two or three years, guys like Dearden and Drinkwater then have the experience to do the same. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's going to be really interesting to see how they back up from this year because then they're not going to sneak up on anyone early in the season. Um, and we didn't last year. We lost to the Bulldogs first game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know what was cool too was to see Tal Malolo because remember last year they were they they started resting him and stuff like that. And then this year, and they said, we're saving him for the future. This year, when they become good, they started using him normally again. And it was cool to see just that switch in the way they used them, that it was genuine, that they weren't just, that they weren't bullshitting everyone. Yeah, but they didn't uh, use him for 70 minutes or something like this. Yeah, they they pulled his his minutes back just a bit. It helped him. I think it helped him. Yeah, uh, last year was funny with the two broken hands, like, yeah, hand in the car, and the coach was angry. Yeah, like, how the fuck would, oh, you, break, the <laughs> fuck would you break his hands? Like the <laughs> with a car door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's Not so saying shit. that this happened. Todd Payton is a very angry man, <laughs> and I'm afraid, and I'm in my in townsville. So, I didn't mean it. Oh, it's so funny. Um, now tell us. I want to. I want to ask you about your football, your rugby league jersey collection, because you have this crazy collection of jerseys from like just every. I bet there are jerseys that you would show me, and I'd be like, I had no idea that they played rugby league there. Like you've got an awesome collection. I. At the moment, I have around 150. Fuck, that's incredible. Two double-stage works. Now, have you got one that, if if somebody said, show me the jersey that is the one that is the strangest, what would it be? Game one German rugby league jersey. Really? That's so cool. Except uh, the all of, uh, Jamaican domestic teams mm-hmm. jerseys, yeah. all of the guys who play domestically in Jamaica. Yep. Then some one old peer French from second tier French competition. The donkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they got relegated or. Uh, French names. Don't say anything. <laughs> Carpentas. It's a lead two club, which I have a personalized jersey. Mm-hmm. So that's are the most irregular ones. And do, you have, to... do you have a, a Mad Schools jersey? No. Uh, all my jerseys are bought in Europe. Okay. So my personal... Nightmare is my trip to Australia next year. Because <laughs> you're going to buy about a million jerseys. I just asked my sister, was a, a package to Switzerland costs right now? 
So because I will not get this stuff in my luggage. <laughs> Far out. Like, and so how do you keep them? Do you just have them on like a normal hanger or do you have them like, do you have them displayed in a certain way? I have um, two story high uh, racks. Yeah. So you have two rows of jerseys on one rack. And on top of on it, I always build a flat rack for um, my Cowboys members uh, heads and such stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're on the left and the right side of my bed. Wow. And do you have them, like, do you have pictures of them on Instagram or something? Like, No, I posted them on Twitter a long time ago. Okay. Because I, I remember you posted a, a photo, and I think it was probably on Twitter, and it, I think it was showing one of the racks, and I was like, man, that's, that's incredible. Like, I think I probably have – and. Like, I don't collect jerseys, but I might maybe have, like, eight or nine of them. Um, and, and so when I saw just the one rack that you showed off, I was like, bloody hell, that's incredible. Yeah, there are now two racks, probably a third incoming. Then I have a uh, class between for just balls. Yeah. For signed balls, it's the so-called ballpark. Yeah. And, yeah... I need more space, <laughs> but space is a premium in Switzerland, even yeah. versus Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> so just generally, how are things in Switzerland? Because it's like, it's a weird time in the world with, we're just coming out of the COVID like lockdowns and now the economy's uh, a little bit all over the place, depending on where you live. Like what's it like in Switzerland? Well, we always say when the road goes downhill, Switzerland goes very fine. <laughs> and just look at the last 250 years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we changed. We, we I have to say we changed our business model mm-hmm. away from um, hiding Nazi gold <laughs> to washing, also laundering money. <laughs> we change it. We don't hide Nazi gold anymore. That was too expensive. <laughs> oh, shit. oh shit, that's so funny. Oh my god. The uh yeah. And it also was one of those um it was one of those business models that really quickly went out of fashion, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the uh, money laundering isn't so good. At the moment, as well, with the Russian uh, sanctions on. <laughs> no, honestly, you get the down. You get uh, the economy, economy, economical problems too. Yeah. But not in a, that big as it's anywhere else in Europe. Yeah. Uh, so my power, uh, my energy prices raise, I say triple. Whoa! It's the next year. Whoa! That's insane. So we don't have that in Australia. Like our our energy prices go up like five percent, and people. Yeah, but it's Australia. a problem. We have a European uh, power market. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 
And, and, and like, yeah. the synaptic brasses are connected to the gas parasites. Yeah, and it's it's like I understand I mean, that from the German you, but well, the German power price jumps. Like I've been seeing them in the news, and they're they're insane. Like I can't even imagine what that's like for people living in Germany, where it's it, it's like how would you even afford it? I, I don't know. It, 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 it gets kept. Oh, does it? Yeah, all governments in Europe keeping prices. All right. So the, does the the government pays the difference then? No. Okay. They are uh, uh, taxing the uh, companies so much for extra profits. Mm -hmm. So it's kept that way. Okay. Except in England. Okay. <laughs> Far out. That's that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, because like. Like I said, we we get a we get a five percent increase on our our electricity prices, and we're like, oh, it's part of the world, you know, power thing. And it's like, nah, you need to look what's going on in the rest of the world, man. It's, Honestly, it's, if Australia gets a power problem mm. with electricity, you have a whole continent of sun. I know. And you have a whole coast of wind. And we we have like all the uranium. Like, can we just build something that burns something at least anywhere? <laughs> you don't even need it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other thing too. It's like it's it, the the climate's pretty good. It's not like we need to warm our houses because it's minus forty degrees. <laughs> um, yeah, at least not north of Melbourne. Melbourne, but who cares about them? Yeah, that can. But the other thing is, with the uranium, I grew up in East Germany. Mm -hmm. We did go uh, sliding, snow sliding. Yep. On the hills, which we came out of, of the uranium mines. Oh, no way. Because it wasn't Russian operation or Soviet operation back then. So it's not so healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's insane! What do you? So were you a? So you're alive when the the wall comes down. Like, do you remember that moment? Yes, I can what? tell you right now where I was sitting and what I was doing, which time of the day it was. And so how old were you? I was eleven. It was Thursday afternoon, nine, uh, nine seven. What was it? 7.45 p.m. And so when do you start, like, because I, I can see where the, it wasn't, how would I, how would I say this? I can see where the authorities weren't exactly promoting it was happening, right? So how do you hear about it? Is it just no, word no, no, of no, mouth? Forget it. Forget it. It was an official press conference by the government. Oh, okay. Okay. And there was a misunderstanding between the government and the guy who did the press conference. Mm -hmm. And his note wasn't uh, specific enough. Mm -hmm. Actually, the wall fall, fall by accident. Yeah. It's that, such a crazy moment in history that, like, uh, I, I think... I feel as though a lot of people now don't understand how, it, like, this idea of, like, the Soviet Union, like, kind of ending 
at this on, at this day, you know, and and was having this divided nation. Time. That sorry, go on. It was a complete crazy time. I remember we were in hol on holidays in Hungary because there were only two countries we could go to: yep. Czech Republic, Czech Slovakian Republic, and Hungary. Mm -hmm. And we were in Hungary in August, beginning of August, and my dad and my mom were sitting in front of a tent because that was all what we could afford. And they were thinking about, do we flee over the border here? Or go we, do we go back where our house and our jobs are? Mm -hmm. Because the Hungarian border was at this, uh, was open back then. Far and, out. And that, that were discussions we had. Wow. I and my sister were uh, living there. My, my sister... Ten, was 10, I was 11. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what is going on? Mm. And so did you know, did you know, as you're living in the East, did you know, and I don't know how else to say it, right? But did you know what you weren't getting compared to the West? And when the wall fell, were there things that you experienced that you were like, I can't believe we didn't have this stuff? Okay, I have to take a big swing. My family is very Christian. Yep. Which was a problem in the former TDR or in the communist countries because they wanted no re um, religion. Yep. And my mother's uncle is a priest, mm -hmm. a, a Protestant priest. And... My grandparents had their own business, which wasn't exactly what a communist country would like to have. Mm -hmm. So we were always on the critic sides of things. So we had a lot, of, a lot of our family left GDR over the time. Okay. So we had a lot of uh, relatives in Western Germany, in Canada, and so on. Yeah. And for, through that we knew what we were missing out and we knew because they sent us package, packages came over visiting us. Wow. I was in a Christian kindergarten where through the churches we had the same toys like the guys in the West. But the guys who, uh, my friends who did go to a uh, governmental uh, kindergarten had nothing of it. Wow. What we missed out and what my parents then did after the ball came down was traveling. Oh, like, wow. Because, as I said, we only could go to two countries. Yeah, yeah. So after 1990, I had five years of traveling through Europe, which was so heavily, I still can't remember some stuff. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. You just went everywhere. You went, went everywhere. <laughs> I even have points in Switzerland where I'm standing there, déjà vu, calling my parents. Did we visit this place? And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's so funny. Can't remember. Wow, right. that's, that's, that's that's the reason why my sister lives now in Townsville and I live in Switzerland. Yeah, you, like that uh, that freedom, like it's it must be weird for a, a person that's like, say, 20 years old now to think that 
like living in the world right now are people that like they had those restrictions on them and now the whole world opens up and like you can see why you travel so much now because it's just like man why wouldn't you I had this, I had in Corona and the first COVID lockdown we had over here, mm-hmm. I had flashbacks of Germany GDR times. Yeah. And I just felt uh, jailed. Yeah, yeah. And then I started thinking about it and Jesus, even the freedom we had within lockdowns was something I never experienced. And they come on this country yeah. before 1990. Wow. And everybody who came out there and told something about dictatorship, and I was like, you have no clue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was. <laughs> you have to see, I, have, I was 11 years old, and I had my own file by the East German Secret Service because of what I said in school. Far out. <laughs> so Holy crap. That's the levels. <laughs> yeah. And then people come out in COVID and trying to mix masks with dictatorship, and I was sitting like there. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, I guess the other thing is, too, like you must see where people talk, will talk about that time in history and they will, um, they will, they will almost characterize it in a way where. Like they they don't explain how brutal and unforgiving it was. Um, they it like it it wasn't a choice. It wasn't something that was on and off. It was all the time, and it was like oppressive, and it was it was real. It wasn't a game. No, you have to imagine you're a forty year old kid, fourteen year old kid. Who gets uh, the Catholic Church or uh, um, Protestant Church get their second? I don't know the English name. Formation. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. That killed your chances to go to new university. Oh, because they just they wouldn't let you go and and mingle basically. Welcome to life in a dictatorship. Far out. That's crazy. It's it's it's. Man, it's such a strange point in history, and you got to witness it firsthand. That's incredible. Is that the reason I'm just now a stupid dickhead who is very uh, ironic and sarcastic? <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be another reason could be that I'm German and a rugby league fan. That's also true. Yeah, it, you're you're a very strange combination of stuff that like <laughs> <laughs> you know. Rugby league fans are moaning about everything Germans do, so <laughs> it's a way. It's a little bit to give and a little bit take. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's incredible! It's so cool, and like I'm, I'm so happy that our listeners are gonna finally get to hear from you because, like, <laughs> our first podcast we did was a disgrace. <laughs> may, may I make a disclaimer here? Yes was all Andrew's fault. Yeah. He was baiting me like hell. And he I really was. He, he was saying, like, I put it all at Andrew's feet don't as go, well. Don't go out there. Don't yeah. go there. No, I'm no. just saying, it's all Andrew's fault. He was baiting me. 
and everybody knows me on Twitter. I love to take a bet. Yes, 100%. He has a lot to answer for, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to love this. Everyone, just at at Andrew RLP, just say, how dare you? (laughs) And maybe uh, if he got some spare time, he will cut all the bad things out. Of the first podcast, and he will finish publishing in 50-minute postcards. Well, well, you know, I actually sat down with that podcast, right? And I I was like, okay, surely there's something I can get out of this. 15 and minutes. I, seriously, there was, <laughs> there was nothing. Because even when we were talking about stuff that was like football related we would then start telling jokes through it and it was just like i like i'm gonna put out i'm gonna take like i think it was an hour and a half we were talking or something it was a long time and i'm like this is gonna be 10 minutes of stuff i can use which is just like 30 second clips here and there i I just can't do it (laughs) (laughs) that's a problem i like to go down rabbit holes and if black humor is involved i'm not trying to wait yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm the same. I have to censor myself so much on the podcast, and we did not do that. And we did it live on YouTube, which is crazy. That was the best and the worst thing, because then people knew what was happening mm. and was right, were writing you. You had to publish the podcast. <laughs> no way. Oh, man. And it's funny because ever since we did that, we were like, man, we've got to have Carson on. We've got to have Carson on. And, like, because of the time difference and and our our podcasting schedule has been very strange ever since then. And it's like, oh, let's get him on now. And then it's like, oh, no, let's wait until this and this and this. Well, as soon as – so that's why as soon as you were like, do you want – should I come on? I was like, yes, finally. Like, it was, was- oh, so cool. There are two reasons I can do this. First, I'm single for those Australian women. <laughs> I'm single and have time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, an eligible German bloke be, in Switzerland. And I will be in Australia in May at the Magic Round. Oh, nice. How cool is that going to be? I, I'm I'm hoping to go to next Magic Round, but I'll have to see. Like, this Magic Round, I was still a bit worried that they were going to start closing the borders and stuff again. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't go to it. But I, I think I might go to the next one. No, I was – I didn't have a holiday for the last four years. Mm-hmm. And as I told my bosses, um, May, I take the month off, go to Australia, visit family, mm-hmm. got a new nephew. Mm-hmm. Two months old. Hi, Libby. Um, and I, I just visit Magic Round, go on the Cowboys podcast to ruin this one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, if you say censoring uh, yourself on a podcast, <laughs> I was on the 4020 live. Yeah. And I was censoring myself. <laughs> <laughs> you behaved. And trying to talk clean English. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It'd be cool to do a podcast. If, like, if I go up to Magic Round, we should do a podcast together, right? And we'll have a few drinks, but not too many. <laughs> like, even for an Australian, 
it, it like if somebody says, oh, do you want to have some drinks with a German? It's like, oh, man, I know that's going to be a rough. That's going to be a rough <laughs> one, man. <laughs> it sounds like trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an and like a not published podcast. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Actually, man, oh, the, we, that's like the last podcast we ever do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad for people who don't know me. I'm not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's not it's not even you. It's like Andrew starts it, and then I start going down a rabbit hole, and you just come with me. You're like, let's do this, you know. You talked about animals you who you eat in your life. I'm not going further in there, but yeah. No, look, we've got. I reckon the first year of our podcast, a good thirty percent of our content is what animals wouldn't I eat. Yes. You know that eating a cat mm. uh, wasn't was legal in Switzerland till uh, 15 years ago. Really? Why they make it illegal? They made it illegal 15 years ago. Wow! And I know still of restaurants where you can eat cat. Really? Have you ever had cat? No. I want. I, I, you mean cat as a pet or as a? <laughs> Not to. <laughs> I mean cat to eat. <laughs> I like the kid to go. <laughs> I I know that I know that mountain lion is supposed to taste like pork, but I can't imagine a cat tastes like pork. No, uh, from what I heard, honestly, never had it. Yeah. It's more like rabbit. Okay, okay. That's don't cook self supporters. Yeah, we won't. It's our support. Do you know in Australia, in when they do hunting, they there's this thing of like killing um, feral cats. And so, if yeah. you look at an Australian hunting magazine, there'll be people holding up cats. Legal. I've heard that it's not legal, so I was never a part of it, and I distance myself completely of it. Mm-hmm. Point. <laughs> That's recorded, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. Well, look, thank you for coming on. This has been so awesome and just like, oh, man, it, it's it's been great. And, like, hopefully there's a point during the rest of the World Cup where we can have another chat about it um, because it's so cool. Because you know so much about the game at all different levels and, and it's just amazing to have you on the podcast. Oh, happy to be, except Andrew is on it. You yeah. know, he's hitting me again. Yeah, and Andrew's a problem. <laughs> should concentrate more on his kids and less on podcasts and baking <laughs> other people. He comes on here and says some terrible things. I, I really try and keep him in check. <laughs> <laughs> So just one final note. Love your intro. Sorry. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, where can people find you on Twitter? It's at Swiss underline cowboy underline seventy eight. And my... and that's the place to find some. That's the place to find uh, some stupid stuff about rugby league. Very uh, idiotic takes, <laughs> and sometimes good information. Sometimes yeah. there is a little pearl in it. <laughs> and there's, it, like, you will see some 
strange jerseys and yes. then and but you're like seriously you're a, you're so informed about the game it's absolutely amazing and um like everyone should give you a follow because they they will find out things about the game that they don't even know that they don't know uh, you know what the funniest thing is mm. where do you buy british amateur rugby league jerseys where do you buy them yeah Whereabouts? In Poland and in Portugal. Are you serious? Are they cheap there? Or <laughs> That's crazy. That that is crazy. What the fuck? <laughs> I had no clue. eBay. If you're looking for amateur British rugby league jerseys, you will find them in Poland and in Portugal. That is so random. I can't believe that. Wow. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you blow my mind with the stuff you tell me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you and me have got to get ready for the next game, which is yes. Australia versus Fiji. So, um, yeah, we need to get something into our guts before that. Might uh, try some domestic cat. That'll be nice. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you once again, Carson, for coming on. And, was uh, a pleasure. What's that? It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch us all very soon. Yeah, see ya.